What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99, also at EthosFantasyBB. We have a ton of fun stuff going on. Our draft guide is in the works, going to be coming out over the next week or so. ton of great stuff coming out over there. Uh, we got the new podcast hosted by Britton Allen as well. Really a lot of fun stuff you guys should be checking out at EthosFantasyBB. Also at the SportsEthos.com website. You guys can find all of it there at the source. Now today we are doing another team preview. We have a special guest joining us here from Rotowire. It is James Anderson. He is the lead prospect analyst. He's a senior editor there as well. Typically focusing more so on prospects, but we're going to pick his brain today a little bit on the redraft side. James, how are you doing today? And thank you so much for joining me. I'm great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Anything you guys got going on at Rotowire that you'd like to plug before we get going here? I mean, this is a really great time to sign up for Rotowire if you're not already a subscriber. Uh, I've got a lot of first-year player draft content uh, up on the site if you are in Dynasty Leagues and, and you're looking for some first-year player draft stuff. Uh, my prospect rankings and my Dynasty rankings have both been fully updated within the past month or so. Uh, those will both be getting another update uh, right around the start of the season. I'm doing articles, uh, got some got some articles coming out, podcasts every Wednesday, uh, radio show firing back up on SiriusXM in a week. So uh, just a, a great time to be over at Rotowire. And uh, again, really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, it's great to have you. Like I said before, I saw you in Arizona. I think it was at the poker game I saw you and there was just too much going on, too many people there. I didn't actually get the chance to pick your brain. Uh, we're going to do that today. First, you guys should go follow James on Twitter, at RealJRAnderson. Great stuff there. You guys do live shows all the time. Uh, and like like we said, uh, one of the best prospect minds in the game. So you should really be following James' work. Now, like I said, though, we're going to talk Milwaukee Brewers today. You're in Wisconsin. I've seen you tweet out some Brewers stuff. <clears throat> I'm assuming you're a fan. I'm assuming you are a Brewers fan. But sometimes, based on your tweets, it's hard to, <laughs> hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a Brewers observer and I, I want them to do well but i i definitely wouldn't say that i'm sort of uh like an unrealistic fan i'm, I'm very sort of grounded in my realism uh, regarding the team so yeah there's there's some things to like specifically in the rotation there's some things maybe not to like just looking at some projections uh the batting averages specifically i don't think this team's going to hit for a very high average uh but let, let's get going with the top of the lineup here we're going to be going through roster resource if you guys want to follow along also might be referencing some ADP numbers from the NFBC. But let's start at the top with Christian Yelich. I was always a big Christian Yelich guy. These last couple of years have been nothing but cold water on the hype that was his first couple of seasons in the bigs. The projections are still very good, uh, but definitely not the Christian Yelich that maybe we thought he was going to be a couple of years ago. What are your thoughts on him? What are your thoughts on his draft price this season? Yeah, I think his his price is, is pretty fair right now. Uh I don't like him as much as, you know, say a Suzuki or even Tyler O'Neill in the same division, but it, he is starting to kind of go behind those guys a little bit. Uh, you're, you're really, you're drafting runs, you're drafting double digit steals with non-zero power. Uh, you're drafting the, the playing time. I mean, with his contract, he's going to play probably more than he should. Uh, he did need 154 games last year to get to 22 stolen base attempts. But I do think he just will continue to run uh, to kind of make up for the fact he's not 
a, a massive run producer anymore himself. Uh, he does still uh, make as, as good a contact as, as anyone on the team just from a, an EV standpoint, and his swing decisions are probably still the best on the team. But his ground ball rate has spiked, and it got to the point last season where you know he was, he was like a 59% ground ball rate. And so he only ended up getting shifted on 30% of the time because he was just kind of peppering ground balls to all fields. Uh, with regularity. So uh, he could get to another level if he's able to really kind of overhaul the swing and the launch angle. Um, but I don't think we should expect that at this point, kind of given how consistent the skills have been over the last couple of years. In terms of the projections, they're generally calling for about 16 and 15 uh, good runs, kind of subpar RBIs. Batting average is interesting. You mentioned the shift percentage is kind of low. And, you know, looking at like a left-handed hitter, you just assume, I know people who maybe don't follow it as closely, would just assume all left-handed hitters would get a bit of a boost this year because of the lack of a shift. But maybe that won't be something uh, with Yelich that really impacts him so much. He was like a 300 hitter throughout the first several years of his career. Uh, these last few seasons have been pretty poor, though. You don't think the shift is going to impact him too much the, or the removal of the shift? I think for him to for him to get a bump, it's going to have to be something he's doing differently. Uh, I think during that sort of two and a half year peak, uh, he was, you know, a line drive machine. Um, if, if he can kind of get the ball in the air a bit more, and it doesn't even need to be sort of over the fence power, uh, he like I said, he's still hitting the ball hard enough, and he's still swinging at the right pitches that he could really. Uh, take a big jump um, in terms of batting average and power, but I don't, I don't think it'll come from just the fact that people can't shift him anymore because he is just, it's such a, a ground ball heavy uh, diet of, of battered balls for him. And um, like I said, they weren't, they weren't really shifting him a ton last year anyway. So, I, you know, upping that it's, it's just not going to make a, a noticeable difference if he's the exact same hitter. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I don't mind the draft price going around the 120 range. I think there's still room for value there. Could give you 20 homers and 20 steals with you know a 250 average even. I, that would be worth the draft price in my opinion. Uh, but let's keep it going with Willie Adamas. I really like Adamas. The projections like him as much as anybody on this team. I'm looking at ATC. They got him for 28 homers, 84 runs, 84 ribbies. Seven steals, you know, like I said off the top, no one's really going to have a great batting average on this team this year. The highest projected batting average is South Relic, uh, 272, and that's only over 32 games. Um, but what do you think for Adamus as a whole for this upcoming season? Yeah, he's kind of the anti Yelich because he just has a an optimized swing for maximizing his power and uh so I just think I think the projections have him pegged pretty well, uh, you know, hit around 245, 250 with 30 ish homers. Uh, his his playing time is the most secure on the team. He's just he's going to play shortstop every day when he's healthy and he's going to hit second in the lineup probably. So uh, there's there's a lot to like with Adonis, uh, the power. I mean, it's it's stolen bases are kind of not necessarily where you want him to be in a in a shortstop that you're taking this high, but I mean he is going to run more than guys like Carlos Correa. Um, you know I think he's kind of similar to to Jeremy Pena, but he's going to have a better spot in the lineup, so I prefer him to Pena. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I like Adamus a lot. He's really kind of getting the most out of his, his raw talent right now. Yeah, I think I'd slightly prefer him over Pena. Um, he's going about twenty picks ahead of him, but I think it's I think it's pretty close when you factor like like Pena's in a much better lineup, but Adamus does have a better lineup position. I think it'll be pretty close, but I mean Adamus almost had a hundred RBIs last year, thirty one homers. Um, not necessarily a breakout because he did something kind of similar the year before. Uh, but I think a very safe draft pick, round pick 100, depending on where you are. Obviously, there's new sites opening up their draft, uh, their drafting technology, so it might vary a little bit. But roughly around pick 100, I think it's pretty good value on Willie Adamas. He might be the best hitter in this lineup at this point. Uh, in terms of power, though, I think the best hitter in this lineup is probably the next guy up on the list. Former Blue Jay, I'm a Toronto guy, so I'm always going to hold him a little bit closer to my heart. Rowdy Telez, he kind of broke out last season. Are we going to see another... 30, 35 home run year from him, or is that kind of uh, an anomaly you think, or is this who he is going forward? No, I think that's, that's who he is. And I think you're going to even see his batting average go up. Uh, I mean, everyone knows his batting average is probably going to go up. Uh, He was shifted on a ton last year, uh, 78% and he had a 215 bad up. So batting average is going to go up. And the projections realize that the drafting public realizes that um, hits the ball extremely hard, hits the ball harder than anyone else on the team. Uh, very, very similar to me, just from a skill standpoint to Matt Olson, except that Olson swings much more at pitches in the zone and Olson is a lock to play every day. And so, uh, I, I still think Telez is is a huge value, even where he's going. He was going even later, early in draft season. He's one of my most rostered players through about 10 NFC drafts. Uh, I just think he's a, a great value, given that you can – I think you can count on, you know, around 35 homers from Rowdy if he stays healthy this season. Um, and that's just – that's hard to find after pick 100, and the, the batting average is going to be – it's going to be kind of mid-pack. It's not going to kill you. Uh, like, it, it sort of dragged you down a little bit last year. And uh, the counting stats are going to be there for the most part. I mean, that, that kind of clump of first baseman that he goes with, um, you know, it's close to me between, like, him and Christian Walker. Walker probably gets more plate appearances than Rowdy this year. But um, I, st- I think he's a, a great pick where he's going because of the power. Yeah, after pick 150, I think it's very reasonable. 166, I'm looking at drafts, uh, draft champions just since January 1st. He's the 16th first baseman. I think there is a lot of value there. He could repeat, should repeat 30, 35 homers. I mean, everything will be probably pretty similar, like you said, but the batting average should go up from 219. It's projected to be in the mid 240s. I think we definitely take that, assuming everything else stays roughly the same. Uh, he even chipped in a couple of steals last year. So there's definitely a lot. Not that he's going to steal a lot. He's a pretty big boy. But definitely uh, somebody to take a look at past pick 150. I really like Rowdy there. Now the projected cleanup hitter, new guy in town, William Contreras. He was fantastic in limited at-bats and plate appearances last season. Is he going to take a step forward here in Milwaukee? Um, I, I mean, I think he's going to play more. And so he'll finish higher on the player rater. But he probably it'd be hard for him to be as productive as he was last season on a per plate appearance basis. Uh, but if, I, I love him. Uh, Contreras was a really good value to me before the trade to the Brewers. And now I think he's, he's still a good value, but it's kind of less of a, uh, he, he's less underpriced, I guess, than he, than he was. Um, it's just, you know, he's a top four hitter on the team. 
it's a perfect lineup placement for him. He's going to be hitting middle of the lineup whenever he's in there. Uh, good park for him to hit in. Uh, you know, he's not that good at framing. Everyone knows that. But what really killed him defensively last year was he threw out just 14% of base stealers. So that that was kind of the big glaring weakness in his game defensively. Uh, I mean, the, the framing – uh, Milwaukee tries to kind of get guys to, to get better at that skill, and they've had some success with that in the past. Uh, so I don't think he will sit because of the framing, but, um, you know, runners might just run wild on him. Maybe that was just kind of an outlier. I, you know, his, his brother has, has had success controlling the run game at times. So um, if he plays like 70 to 75% of the time, which is, is certainly possible, he could uh, – get some starts at DH too. He did that plenty with Atlanta that I think he could finish, you know, as a borderline top five catcher. Um, just there's going to be a ton of power. The counting stats should be there. Um, batting average wise, I think he's just going to hit like 245, 250. So I, I still like him even after the trade. I don't know. Like the backup catcher is Victor Caratini. He's projected for 60 to 70 games. That would be like he's a much better defensive catcher, but I'm not sure how much he's at the end of the day going to take away from Contreras. I think he should still get his close to 500 plate appearances, you know, whether it is through catcher reps or through DH. Um, Atlanta used him at DH 34 times last year, different situation, obviously, but. Uh, he should he should get his reps. He should get his plate appearances. He's going as the ninth catcher off the board right now. Uh, pretty good value. I think everybody we've talked about so far seems to be a pretty good value at their at their draft price. Nobody that I'd be staying away from uh, at this point. Now Jesse Winker is the next guy I want to talk about. And Jesse Winker had a high hopes coming into this past season. He disappointed. Now he wasn't healthy the entire year for sure. Um, there were some problems there. There was I think there was. regardless of how you're looking at it new environment new team can we see him get that batting average back up and maybe some of the power can that come back as well i do think the batting average will come back uh you know he still made really good swing decisions last year he just his hard hit rate plummeted uh was 47 percent in 2021 down to 34% last year and I think you could trace a lot of that to the sort of neck back issue he was playing through. Uh, the projections don't know that he was playing hurt and had surgery to address those issues. So I, I would take the over on his batting average relative to what the projection systems have him at. I think he was kind of like mid 200s um, last I checked. Uh, so I, I do think Winker gets back to kind of like 265, 270. Uh, batting average, but I do think he will sit uh, against lefties and the power, you know, he, he got to play in Cincinnati and he wasn't always just this monster over the fence power guy. And I don't know. I just, I don't love the fact that he's almost definitely going to get platooned and I can't really count on him for 25 homers, 20 plus homers. You know, if he just hits like 18 homers with a 265 average and sits against lefties, you know, how, how good is that? Um, so I, he will rebound, assuming that the, the surgeries went well and everything. And uh, we've had reports suggesting that he's he's got normal baseball activity and everything. So I think he will rebound, but maybe just not enough for me to be that interested. 
even at the price right now, he's about two seventy. You wouldn't uh, you wouldn't want him there. Uh, you know, there's guys like, would you take like I might take Jorge Soler over Jesse Winker, and Jorge Soler is probably going like a hundred picks later. Um, I just I don't know I. I just don't see uh, take. I mean, what is he like a kind of like a two-ish category guy? Like he's not really doing a ton for you in any one category, and he's going to be sitting. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know. There's there's value outfielders going in that range that I that I do prefer over Winker. OBP formats you push him up a little bit because he does walk yep. quite a bit. But yeah, in standard leagues. Maybe there's not so much interest there. I'm hoping that the batting average, maybe it's not going to be 300 again. But even if it's in the mid-250s, you know, 17, 18 homers projected for between 113 and 120 games. So like you said, he will be platooning. He'll be sitting a bit there. It depends on your own personal risk assessment, I guess, of him. If you think that he can get back up over 20 homers, maybe the batting average is closer to 270 than 250. I, I'm personally, you know, maybe listening to you. Because you, that's why I like doing these these team preview pods. People come on, they pay more attention to teams than I do. I don't pay too much attention to Milwaukee, but, you know, maybe where somebody was more in on Winker, you throw a little bit of cold water on him there. Even at the relatively low draft price, maybe he's not somebody that's that interesting. Um, Luis Arias projected about sixth in the order. He just seems very boring to me in general from a fantasy point of view. He's not somebody that I get excited about drafting, even though his eligibility is nice. Uh, he's not somebody that I really am so interested in. What are your thoughts on Luis Arias? Yeah, I mean, the, the best thing I can say for him is just the position eligibility, eligible at third base, shortstop, and second. And he will play every day to start the year. So, that part of it's nice, but you know he his uh his ninety fifth percentile exit velocity last year was one hundred two point five miles an hour, and that's that's really down there. That's down with like a lot of just the the zero power type of guys. So, um, I the Brewers have enough kind of similar players to Urias now uh, after trading for. Um, you know, Owen Miller, uh, Abraham Toro, uh, just a bunch of kind of bench righty hitting infielder types that could push Urias. Like if he's just not hitting for that much power and getting on base at like a 300 clip or something, like I don't think he's a lock to just keep playing through that and they have other options. So the fact that he won't really help you with speed, um, I just don't see enough in terms of exit velocity to project some sort of gain in power. So I, I haven't really been going after him. I think he's kind of similar statistically to what you're going to get out of Winker. You know, mid-teens, maybe low 20s homers, maybe 150 runs in RBIs put together in a 250-some-odd batting average. I'd be a little bit more interested in him than in Winker just because of the eligibility, second, third, and short. But like I said, not somebody that really you, you feel excited about drafting. He's going in the 240 range. Uh, he's kind of a fallback bench. I mean, I guess if you're in like a draft champions, it's maybe not going to be a bench option at that point yet. Uh, pretty close anyway. But if you're talking like your standard 10 and 12 team leagues, I'm not really going to be interested. I find a lot of content. Uh, whoever is doing it, we always kind of focus on the NFBC. But as there are home leagues, 12-teamers opening back up again, I feel like people are going to start absorbing more content for those Yahoos and ESPNs and CBSs. He's going to be like at the end of that draft range where maybe you take a shot with your with your last pick just to have a little bit of positional versatility. But 
not somebody that I've been that I've been drafting at all. I've done five or six drafts. I don't have any shares of Urias. I'm just I'm just not really there with him. Uh, in terms of the rest of the batting order, those are the six guys that are really truly interesting. I think. Um, but in terms of like Garrett Mitchell, the end of the order guys, what are your thoughts on their projections for the rest of this or for this upcoming season? I guess not for the rest of the season. Yeah, so I think Garrett Mitchell actually has uh, a sneaky high fantasy ceiling as early as this season. Uh, he has been getting drafted. Like, I wish he was just going a little bit later, and I wish he was kind of going in, like, sort of pure flyer territory. Uh, but he, you know, he struck out. People look at the 41.2% strikeout rate, and – I think it actually maybe kind of oversells how um, overmatched he was against big league pitching. Um, and obviously the, the BABIP is crazy high. Like, so you can't, there's just so many, no, so much noise in his brief big league debut, but uh, he's by far the Brewers best defensive outfielder. And I'm not a hundred percent sure that he's actually going to sit against all lefties you know, maybe he sits against some tough lefties, but uh, they've got below average defensive outfielders pretty much everywhere else uh, other than Mitchell in center field. Maybe Tyrone Taylor is kind of average in a court in like left field or something, but um, you know, Christian Yelich is a butcher. Uh, Jesse Winker is terrible in the outfield. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mitchell's glove actually earns him more playing time if he's keeping his head above water at the plate. And, you know, he was eight for eight on stolen base attempts in um, 68 plate appearances last year. Obviously, you know, you're going to have some weird stolen base variants in September and stuff like that. But um, I, I see a scenario where Mitchell really out earns his uh, draft day price. Um, so I think he's he's pretty interesting. Um, but I do I, I haven't really ended up with him just because of. He, he does go in a range where you are passing on some more, um, some safer options, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the 40% strikeout rate, it's only over 28 games in the minors. He's always been maybe a bit above average in the mid twenties, but uh, he's not going to strike out 40% of the time. Uh, the defense will be good. The steel numbers should be pretty good. I could definitely see him outperforming the draft slot, which is three Oh two right now. Uh, I wish he was a little bit later, like you said, but I don't think it's terrible. Like I mentioned before, like if you're in a 12-teamer or something, if you want to use your last pick on him, there, there could be decent upside there. Uh, in terms of the rest of the lineup, Tyrone Taylor, sorry, were you going to say something there? Or? Yeah, yeah. I just With Mitchell, you know, 75% contact rate and a O-swing of like 24.8, that's like, that's pretty good. Like that, that's kind of what I was getting at with um, – you know, don't just focus on that 41% strikeout rate. Like, I think he's, I think he's going to keep his head. Like, I don't, I don't see him getting optioned down to AAA, you know, after like six weeks or something like that. So um, just wanted to add that. Yeah, no, he should, he should be up and he should be at least a decent producer. If, if for sure with stolen bases, you should be able to bank on if he's there, 15 to 20 steals, a little bit of power. Uh, overall, I mean, depending on how high the price goes, he could be talked into taking a, a couple of shares just on the upside alone. But in terms of the other guys that are in this lineup, you know, Tyrone Taylor, you got Bryce Terang, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, uh, projected to bat ninth. Any, any interest in either of those two guys? No, I, I, I don't really have interest in them, but I did just kind of want to 
say that I don't have interest in that. Um, so, like, Taylor, uh, he's really just kind of a fourth outfielder that he's going to be playing every day to start the year, most likely. But eventually, I think Sal Freilich, uh displaces him. And Tarang, you know, he's going to hit bottom of the order. And he's he's almost assuredly going to sit against every lefty. Uh, like the guys they have on their bench, um, Mike Brousseau, Keston Hira, Brian Anderson, uh, all those guys are just there basically to play against um, lefties. So I just don't see Terang playing every day. And I don't see him hitting high in the lineup against the righties. So, you know, you can get some cheap speed probably. Like I could see Terang stealing 15 bases, but uh, I think the lack of production in the other categories, even where he's hitting in the lineup and sitting against lefties is going to make him almost unplayable in uh, mixed leagues. And then uh, Sal Freilich, who I did say, like, you know, he's he's got a chance to be a, a kind of a dynamic leader threat for them by the end of the season. I assume he's eventually going to be playing every day and uh, move Tyron Taylor to the bench. So I, d- I don't mind Sal Freilich as sort of a like a flyer type uh, who could get you double-digit steals and a nice batting average. His price is still in flyer range at 474. He hasn't really pushed up so much. Uh, you mentioned Keston Hura. There was so much hype around him over the last couple of seasons. It hasn't really developed. And it was because of that short year where he was very good. Um, but is there any hope for him going forward to have some fantasy value, or are you out on Hura? No, I, I think he's just going to be sort of a, a power hitter who gets some time against lefties. And, you know, his his standing on, you know, they're, they're going to pay him $2.2 million this year. I mean, I don't think he necessarily even warrants that. It's more because of his draft pedigree. Uh, so, like, I think it's more likely that Keston Hira gets designated for assignment slash traded to another team for cash than that he actually breaks out on the Brewers. Yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right there. I had hope over the last couple of seasons. Uh, it was 2019 where he looked very good, and then 2020 even wasn't that bad. Uh, the strikeout rates have always been terrible, but he's shown pop at the plate. So I've always kind of held out hope a little bit that he might be able to turn into something. But at this point, he's probably not. Uh, he's going to pick 503, but there's really not much interest there. Maybe in a draft champions, but uh, in your standard leagues, can't really see there being too much Keston Hura interest. That's pretty much it for the lineup, unless there's any other hitters that you think could make some noise this season. Maybe anybody else in the minors or anybody we've missed so far? No. Oh, I think we uh, I think we got it. I think we got it. So let's move on to the definitely more interesting part of the Brewers here. Their starting rotation. Corbin Burns right at the top. I have him as my number one pitcher for this upcoming season. You could maybe you could argue for Garrett Cole. A lot of people have. Uh, you know, I've heard arguments for Carlos Rodon and even for Brandon Woodruff. Maybe not as number one. But what are your thoughts on Burns? Is he the consensus one for you? Uh, I would. I'd probably take Cole. Um, yeah. But I don't. I don't feel strongly about it. I can almost guarantee I won't be the person taking the first starting pitcher, so it won't be me making that decision. Um, but I, I. I don't know. I trust Cole a bit more. Um, I think the kind of the division, um, the the schedule change favors Cole and hurts Burns slightly. 
Um, but I, you know, Burns is, he's great. You know, I, I don't really have anything negative to say about Burns. It's just, I, I like Cole just a tiny bit more. Yeah, I think when we were talking, I forget it was some podcast. It might have been uh, on the corner with with Nick and Alex, uh, Nick Pollock and Alex Fast. I think they were talking about how he was a little bit inconsistent last season. I haven't really looked at his splits, but there was a couple months where he was really not as great, and then it kind of averaged out to still being very good. Um, but let me just see here. It was August where he was really bad, almost a five ERA. Every other month was pretty good, but the second half overall. Uh, 397 ERA where he had a 214 in the first half. So maybe some people will be a little bit scared by that potentially. Uh, I personally think he's still incredibly elite. You can make the argument for Cole. I think either way, you're not going so wrong. I, my my personal thing with Cole, not to, to get into Yankees too much, but I think it's the home runs. And I think part of it too is I'm a head-to-head player predominantly. I play Roto as well, but I love the head-to-head. In the last couple of Septembers, when you've been in the head-to-head playoffs, he's not performed. And maybe that's just nonsense. It's not going to carry over another year. Uh, it's just something personally that's worried me. I have him at number three. I have Shane McClanahan at number two, and I've kind of bounced the two of them back and forth a little bit. I maybe should put Cole at number two. I a little bit about run factors there with him. Is that something that you know factored into your decisions at all in terms of your rankings projections um i i mean i'm really kind of i i'm sort of the opposite of you so i i mostly play roto um and i'm looking at when i look at garrett cole i'm looking at the amount of strikeouts i'm drafting and the confidence that i'm getting those strikeouts relative to the other guys um it's just higher. Like I, he's the best bet to get 250 Ks, I think. And so, um, you know, the ERA is going to go up and down year to year. Uh, I also wonder like, and I, you know, kind of jokingly mentioned this on a podcast uh, earlier in the off season, but you know, that report about the Yankees balls basically being juiced uh, to kind of help Aaron judge set that record. You know, now Garrett Cole isn't going to have juiced balls in the game, like, in theory. Um, not, you know, you can't count on that, but that's like a small sort of soft factor you could look at to kind of say, maybe this is why Cole gave up so many home runs last year. Like, <laughs> the ball wasn't normal because they were trying to juice Aaron Judge's home run total. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I think, again, I, I'm not going to be the one taking – either of these guys at the at the one two turn like I, I did end up with Garrett Cole in the second round of a online championship recently but it was kind of like late second round mid to late second round so um, that's kind of the first time I'm kind of looking at those guys like I'm not taking any of those guys over Austin Riley for instance so um, and then McClanahan I'm just I gotta see him pitching in spring training and looking normal before I take him up there Online championships are twelve teamers, right? Yep. Yeah, so a little bit, you know, you're, you're probably getting them little, maybe a little bit later than you would in a fifteen teamer still, uh, but mid second in a fifteen teamer, it'd probably be early second, depending on yep. you know your draft room. But either way, like you said, I don't really want either of these guys at price as much as I think they're both going to be, you know, two hundred and fifty strikeout potential, you know, fifteen win studs. I'll just wait on pitching this year, like a lot of people are going to, and maybe too many people will end up waiting on pitching because that's just kind of a universal strategy, and that'll kind of screw over people who are drafting a little bit later on. But I don't see the need to really reach for 
anybody so much this season because of the the depth at pitcher. And, you know, speaking of the depth uh, at the position in general, Brandon Woodruff at number two in this rotation. I'm pretty big on Woodruff. Uh, I'm going to pull up my pitcher ranking so that I can't remember exactly where I had him. I had him at, I have him at five right now, um, thinking about, you know, maybe moving him down one or two slots. But I, I feel very good about Brandon Woodruff for this upcoming season. Are you Are you equally bullish or is there any reason to be skeptical? I don't have any uh, reasons to be skeptical with him. It's it's more just, you know, you have to sort of weigh these guys with the other pitchers available where they go. Um, Woodruff, obviously, you know, if you had him last year, he had the sort of Raynaud's syndrome thing in the middle of the season where it was sort of a tale of two seasons with him and uh, got that fixed and was just the exact guy you thought you were getting in drafts after that. Um finished the year pretty strong. So I I think he's a fine sort of mid mid to mid tier kind of SP1. Um yeah, I don't I mean I I probably would take Aaron Nola over him or Carlos Rodon over him, but that's more about me liking those guys than not liking Woodruff. I would take Rodon over him. Nola is very close. I have Rodon at four, and I have Nola at seven. Very, very close. With Woodruff, once he came back, I, I mean, I know a lot of people earlier in the year were were very concerned, and you know, for for the right reasons because of the injury. Um, but he was he was ridiculous down the stretch, and I do think that his price is is pretty fair. Uh, you know, beginning of the third round, early mid third round. Uh, 35 is his ADP right now. I, I like it. I, I personally, you know, I'll take Rodon in, in leagues, but I think Rodon is still going. And let's just make sure. Uh, I think he's still going about a round after that at this point. He is going at 42, so later on in the third round. But I, I'll take both of them. I'm very equally happy to take both of them. Maybe with Woodruff for me, it's, you know, he's in the same same team, same park. He's familiar with the you know surroundings and with his teammates and everything where Rodon it's not his fault, but three teams in three years does kind of scare me. You know, different teams, different pitching coaches, different ballparks. I'm not really worried about Yankee Stadium, but uh, just in terms of Woodruff, I'm pretty happy to be taking him uh, at the beginning of the third round. Even though I, I probably would slightly favor, um, I would slightly favor Carlos Rodon there. Now, the way that uh, roster resource has the rotation set up is Eric Lauer as the third pitcher and Freddie Peralta as the fourth pitcher. Do you are you higher on Lauer than Peralta for this season? Like roster resource seems to be. Uh, I have. I mean, Eric Lauer is my most rostered player right now. Oh, um, but that, but I'm I'm not taking him over Freddie Peralta. I'm taking him like 150 picks after Freddie Peralta. So, yeah. Um, I don't think. It, I mean, we don't have to compare those two because that's not the decision you're making in drafts right uh, right i think i think lauer is just as steady as it gets he finished really strong he's underrated every year i think he's just a, a easy easy pick where he's going right now uh freddie is sort of the opposite freddie uh i've never really like i've i was there for the corbin burns breakout i was there for the woodruff breakout i never had freddie peralta uh, in fantasy just because I I've always doubted the ability to sort of handle a starter's workload with him and you know he still hasn't gotten over um, 100 innings in the majors in any season beyond 2021 um, a lot of that is just you know 
the way he was developed as kind of a reliever at times early on, swingman, that type of thing. But um, I don't know. I just he's – he's a good – strikeout guy on a on a per inning basis but i i i'm just not really drafting him where he's going right now he's going about pick one uh, 141 right now uh the projections all have him going at least 112 zips has him for 103 everywhere else is about 120 130 you don't think he gets there uh i don't know i mean I, he could get to 130 120 um who are the I should probably look at which pitchers are going by him. Um, All right, so, you know, he's going right next to Joe Ryan, Jesus Lizardo, Lance Lynn. I'd take all three of them over him. Um, I'd take Luis Garcia over him. I'd take Chris Bassett over him. I'd take Jordan Montgomery, Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen. So, um, I mean, it's it's just kind of, I, I don't know. I think you're not getting – elite ratios and you're only getting 125 130 innings like I'd, I'd rather just take a guy that i think has the upside to get to 160 innings. yeah i i would tend to agree with you there i i do like peralta and i don't think the price is terrible but like you just listed off i, I agree with you on every name you listed there uh, i'll take all those guys i'll take you know i'll probably take kershaw even though he's around earlier um you know yep. dustin may even i'd probably take charlie morton Maybe not Chris Sale, but a lot of the guys going a few picks ahead and then 20, 30, 40 picks below, I probably would take. I think that the ones I would – I'd probably take Peralta over uh, Giolito and May um, and their end sale, and they're going right behind them. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I like this rotation as a whole. I think it's very good. Um, you know, Wade Miley is currently listed as the fifth starter. Aaron Ashby we heard earlier this – or I guess would have been late last week – that he's going to be behind the rest of the starters because he's got some shoulder problems. Um, does that, I mean, it must impact the way you feel about him heading into the season, but how much is that going to keep you away from drafting Aaron Ashby? I'm not drafting him right now. Uh, I drafted him before the news in a few leagues, and I don't think it's panic time in Dynasty or even if you already drafted him in a redraft league. I mean, this is basically the same news as we got on Zach Wheeler this time last year. And it just was kind of a delayed start to the season for Wheeler. And you, you still got plenty of value out of him. Um, but it could be worse than that. Like, it, you know, shoulder soreness, shoulder um, inflammation, whatever, whatever it is, like this could be something he gets over. By mid-March, it could be something that ends with him, like, on the IL for a couple of months. So it's just pretty wide range of outcomes right now. So I'm just kind of following it. And if the news suggests that he's only going to miss, like, the first couple turns in the rotation, then I might still take him uh, in sort of late-March drafts as a, as a stash. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely hands-off for now until I get more information. Yeah, there was already concern based on last year. Um, now, I mean, you never want to draft anybody with injury, you know, with the cloud of injury. But when you know for a fact that they're they're going to be missing some time, uh, it's probably not the wisest decision. As much as I love Ashby and the skills, I personally can't be doing it. Wade Miley, I'm assuming there's not much interest there as the fifth starter. 
No, I mean he's just a he's just a streamer in pretty much all formats. I would I would say like he's he's not a a guy who is that risky to me from a ratio standpoint, but he's just not going to give you many strikeouts at all. So you're just you're streaming him to try to get wins when he's got to start against the Pirates or the Cubs or something like that. But I don't I don't think he's someone you should be rostering throughout the season, even in really deep leagues. Yeah, I mean, he might make sense. You know, if you're in draft champions right now, you get some starts earlier in the season, maybe uh, if you want to take that risk. And then even if, you know, let's say Ashby does come back healthy, uh, we still know there could be some concerns with the rotation here and there. We know every rotation goes through things throughout the season. Uh, he could probably still end up making 20-ish starts potentially. So I, I wouldn't hate him in a draft champions where he's going, 538. I think there's some value there, uh, but not not somebody to be to be pushing up your boards by any means. Um, are there any minor league starters you think could potentially come up this season and maybe take away some of those starts? Uh, you know, they've, they've got a decent, they've got an interesting collection of like seventh starter guys. Uh, but in terms of just straight up pitching prospects, it's, it's Robert Gasser and that's it. Uh, he's, a borderline top 100 prospect for me. I think I've got him as like a top 25 pitching prospect. Uh, really fits what the Brewers look for in pitchers. Has uh, you know deceptive qualities with his pitches and um, strikeout rate sort of spiked after that trade. So I'm interested to see how he looks this spring. But he's got enough to work on where I would think he'd be a realistic. Uh, option in the rotation till you know midsummer. okay somebody to keep on your radar for sure um that's pretty much it for the starters in terms of the bullpen Devin Williams is, is very secure in the closer role I did hear some talk and I think it was when I was talking with Greg Jewett um, maybe two months ago that he was saying there was some thought that maybe he gets traded throughout the season um any thoughts there if he does get traded or let's say he gets injured, who might be in line to replace him? And even just Williams himself, uh, how interested are you in drafting him as of now? Uh, yeah, I could see him getting traded. Um, that seems kind of right up this. Uh, I mean, it's it's a different GM at the helm, but it's, it is basically the same regime uh, that David Stern's left behind. So, I could definitely see them trading him midseason. Um, it's a weird bullpen. I like the best option, I think, to fill in for saves if Williams was traded today is probably Matt Bush. Um, but they also happen to have one of the better relief only pitching prospects in the game uh, in Abner Uribe, who has fastball. In the past, it's been up to like 103. Uh, I think it was kind of more like I think he took a little bit of zip off of it to kind of get a bit more control last season. Um, he was added to the 40 man roster. He is not a finished product, uh, needs to tighten up the control, but he's got closer potential in a year or two. So, Uribe is someone who, if they traded Williams this year, I would guess they would handle dishing out those saves to, to veterans like Bush, but you could look at the rebate as a potential source of saves in 2024 if they were to move those. 
does the potential for a risk or a potential for a trade uh, have you not wanting to draft him? He's going, he's a top 50 pick recently. Is that something you're worried about? Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been on Williams. I don't know. I've, I just, there's reasons I'm not on him um, from just kind of stuff I've heard behind the scenes. Um, I just, I can't take him over like Rysel Iglesias or Ryan Presley. I'd even take Felix Bautista over Williams. Um, so I, I kind of value Williams sort of where Ryan Helsley goes. Um, so I just haven't been ending up with them at all. Yeah, I, I like, I mean, the skills have been incredible these last couple of years, but uh, you've heard things like skill-wise or, or personality-wise, or like what is it exactly? Um, Just kind of personality okay. stuff. Like, I don't know. I That's part of the reason why I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him. Okay. Is there any player that we might have missed, whether they're in the majors or in the minors, that you think is worth talking about for this team for this year? I mean, we, we hit on uh, most of the key guys. Um, you know, Jackson Churio is their best prospect, but I think I think there's a chance that if he has kind of a, a perfect season that Churio could get the Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson treatment and get the call, but not early enough to exhaust his prospect status. Um, but that would sort of, he would have to be on kind of a rocket ship to get that treatment. He probably spends the full year, double A, triple A. Um, but I mean, Churio's their best prospect. South Relic's their next best prospect. And they've got Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer. So just, you know, a bunch of outfielders. Uh, a lot of them are, are pretty risky. Um, but that's that's definitely the strength of the, the farm. Would they be like late round uh, <clears throat> draft champions targets for you, or would that be more of like an in season fab move? No, the I mean I I think Mitchell and Freilich very much in play uh, for a lot of formats this year, and then Weimer would would have to be kind of a fab guy for me. I I think that he's going to strike out a ton as a rookie whenever he gets the call, and he might even be sort of short side platooning. Um, and then Churio, you know, if he gets the call at the end of August, maybe do you have some fab left over for him? But I don't I don't think he's someone you need to take and draft and hold. Yeah, I tend to agree. None of them are being drafted, or those those minor league guys anyway, not being drafted. Churio is still 18. He's going to be 19 soon, but he'd probably be, you know, like you said, they'd have to fast track him quite a bit. He spent most of the year in A and high A, came up to double A for six games, didn't look the greatest, so... Uh, I know best case is probably like a September call up, but James, I, I really appreciate you uh, you hanging out today, man. Talking talking Brewers. Anything um, you you want to you mentioned off the top, but anything else you want to plug? Any any work you got going on, or any any things you got coming up, podcast or anything? I got a sweet podcast uh, coming up Wednesday with Dylan White of Baseball America. We're going to be talking uh, some some buy lows and dynasty, some first year player draft strategies um and then yeah just on twitter at real jr anderson uh rotowire.com slash try for a trial uh definitely recommend signing up there uh, that's where all my stuff is james you, you do a great job with the prospects and, and the hosting you do you do a fantastic job at rotowire go follow james on twitter at real jr anderson 
You can find me at Joe Orico 99 We're going to be back here tomorrow uh, talking some outfield ranks. But until then, take care, everybody. And see you then.